Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the new Arctic Monkeys album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, and the fourth series of the Scandinavian crime drama, The Bridge. We've also been playing the mobile game Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello and welcome back to Seriously. It's a Monday when we're recording this. You're probably listening to it on a Tuesday or maybe even later. Um, But we woke up to some great news, which is this country, one of our favorite shows, won two BAFTAs at the BAFTA TV Awards last night, which is very exciting and meant that it was tied as the best show. Basically, it picked up to the same number as three girls. So what an achievement. Yeah, I was so, so happy to see that. I saw like a little bit on Twitter before I went to bed last night and then like properly woke up this morning and read all of the coverage of it. Mm. And also Daisy May Cooper was wearing an absolutely incredible outfit. A blinder of a dress. (laughs) She was wearing a kind of floaty red silk caftan, but that was kind of modelled on a football shirt. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the Swindon football club colors um which is hilarious and swindon fc get a couple of shout outs mm. in the in the show basically daisy's dad in the show martin mucklow father of kerry loves swindon yeah it's really really funny and the best bit was the shoes that were sort of looked like football socks yes it was incredible <laughs> yeah i saw Catelyn moran posting an instagram of the two of them together and the caption was like you know really love this woman she's achieved so much and then also a quote from daisy may it was like i've just seen i've made the daily mail's worst dress list live goal achieved <laughs> <laughs> that's so great um, yeah, so, yeah and then i also thought it was pretty outrageous that she went in this crazy outfit and charlie just went in a in a suit yeah, looking just, great. Just normal, <laughs> just standard stuff. But yeah. fine. Two great seriously faves to well the BAFTAs. This country, which you can go back and listen to us talking about. And then also Three Girls, which we also thought was incredible. Mm. I'm mm. really glad to see that rewarded because it was, if you didn't catch it, it was a one-off drama about the Rotherham grooming yeah. case, basically. Uh, like a dramatised story based on the, the true, true incidents. And... I think it did a lot to help more people realise the total horror of what happened. Mm. Um, And also how ill-equipped our police force Mm. were before then and how much has changed since then, which is really interesting. Yeah, so great. Amazing, amazing scenes at the BAFTAs. 
So rolling on with the show, the first thing that we're going to talk about this week, I'm very excited, is Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, the sixth studio album from Sheffield indie rock band Arctic Monkeys. It's a major departure from their previous musical styles and takes the form of a concept album about a futuristic moon colony told through songs inflected with jazz and lounge pop. It was written by band frontman Alex Turner on an upright piano and is heavily influenced by retrofuturism and 1970s groups like the Walker Brothers. So yeah, this is album number six from Arctic Monkeys. I've been a real Arctic Monkeys fan since album number one. Followed them all throughout school as everyone did at my age. I think probably my interest in them peaked around Humbug, Suck It and See and AM. And I've seen seen them play live lots of times at different music festivals and things. So this is five years after their fifth mm. album was released. So it's in a way, it's almost as long between albums five and six as albums one and five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they did an album almost every year for seven years or something and now they've had such a long gap and that's partly because Alex Turner's been doing other projects with the last shadow puppets and things and I guess partly because they just it takes time to make a an album and it takes time to develop a new idea yeah and especially when you've you know attained the sort of heights that they have both critically and commercially there's both the pressure off in the sense that you don't need to like immediately tour a new album to pay, to make money, but also mm. the pressure is very much on because whatever you put out, people are going to like review and pull apart and critique. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have a slightly different relationship with the Arctic Monkeys to Anna, which was that their first album came out when I was like just finishing school and it absolutely hit peak Caroline interest in indie rock music so I was mm. like dead into them for about 18 months saw them at loads of festivals like went to loads of gigs and then my indie rock music obsessive phase faded quite quickly mm. and so I haven't heard not I haven't knowingly heard any Arctic Monkeys albums since that first one oh, until wow. I listened to this one I mean this I'm sure I have like, even... heard some of their songs but I couldn't tell you what they are <laughs> it must seem an even bigger departure for you then because I feel like every album that they release people are like wait what this isn't mm, like the Arctic Monkeys okay. but I agree that this is the biggest leap mm. in that sense because their last album was very greasy guitar heavy retro influenced rock music and it was right. all big kind of anthemic songs that you could play to a sold out O2 arena or whatever um with you know the mosh pit going crazy this isn't like that at all there's a line in it where he says I've played to quiet rooms before and in, I read an interview I think in NME where someone said oh that's an interesting line because and Alex Turner was like oh yeah our rooms might be a lot quieter now if we're making music like this it's true <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's more of a kind of sit down listen than a go wild listen yeah I absolutely love it though I've like had it on repeat all weekend and I just think it's brilliant I mean, it could be by a totally different band, given yeah. that I'm referring back to, you know, the like, whatever, whatever people, people say, say um, that's I'm, what I'm not. So I'm not era, which was all about like 
going on nights out with your mates and like getting in fights with the bouncer and being in cabs on the way yeah. home and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but now and they're like 35 and <laughs> living in LA and they've been professional musicians for over a decade so yes. it'd be a bit weird if they were still singing about like just swapping t-shirts to get past the bouncer yes exactly and in a way <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that because I think there are bands that do carry on trying to do that mm. because mm. it's you know what made them successful it's what people know and it's what people want to hear whereas I think people who like visibly develop as artists in their public output that's much more honest Mm. also I know you wrote a really great piece on the Newsdatesman website about this last week it's a real risk to just be like now we shall do a concept album about a moon colony yeah Um, (laughs) it kind of reminded me of I think we said this about Hamilton that Mm. if Lin-Manuel Miranda came to you before he was famous and was like yeah I've got this amazing idea for like a hip-hop concept album about you know one of the founding fathers but he's like kind of a neglected one but I read this biography and I thought it was really cool so I'm gonna make (laughs) a concept album about it but it's rap and it's hip-hop you'd be like that idea should never see the light of day, my friend. <laughs> Just going to yeah. give you some advice. Like, don't pursue that. That is so embarrassing. And that's what this album is like mm-hmm. in theory as well. It's just like, what are you doing? This is so, especially because there's a vein to it, which is a little bit scornful of like smartphones mm-hmm. and social media. And that is specifically designed to make me vom. I think that kind of like, put down your phone, love. There's oh. a world outside kind of vibe, which will always and forever remind me of Owen Quigg's song about putting your phone away who was a x-factor reject in like 2007 or something but yeah it's not embarrassing when you actually listen to it it's actually quite interesting and cool and really good even though the idea sounds bonkers yeah and separately also i don't know so much about like the history of classic man music but Mm. i do feel like there (laughs) there is a well-trodden path with particularly male artists in sort of mid-career to be like now I shall make my space album yeah I know totally. there's obviously like the Bowie example but I feel like lots of bands do this mm. they're like now the outer space music <laughs> like Elton John's Rocket yeah. Man and and both of them using it as like a metaphor for fame being isolating yeah and it's like cool and exciting to be in space but you're also on your own that's kind and of that's it that's the extent of the metaphor yeah <laughs> yeah basically yeah. so when I because I didn't really read much obviously not being like a huge Arctic Monkey stan I didn't read much of the like build-up press around this mm. I was just aware that it was coming out so then when I like literally saw the artwork as I was loading up I was like oh god no this is their like space album <laughs> yeah yeah but then and that is what this is it is but it's brilliant because it's wry and it's quite self-aware and also just musically I think it's beautiful yeah I really love the tone of it which is kind of veers between sincerity and like absolute detached Mm. self-deprecating irony and I I think there are some really funny lines in it and there when I listened to it the first time there are a couple of lines where I was like oh okay that's actually really funny uh, I really liked the line, dance like somebody's watching because they are, <laughs> which is in a song that is a bit sort of like, oh, everyone's obsessed with social media. But mm. I just thought that was a funny line. And kiss me under the moon's side boob. I really yes, liked. I love that. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these kind of one liner jokes in there that are really good. And there's like a broader sense of self-deprecation as well with this kind of repeated portrait of a very long haired Uh, embarrassing heavily moustached 1970s washed up rock star and I think that's Alex Turner making a joke out of himself and his Mm. various personas because he kind of went through a kind of shaggy hippie long-haired phase in the in the humbug 
album three era and also a kind of slicked back 1950s over over the top leather jacketed rocker in the in his last album so i think he's kind of amalgamating those personas and being like yeah obviously this is a bit cringe in different ways and yeah i really enjoy that kind of that kind of tone in the album yeah i'm really interested as well to see how it fits in the dialogue of like guitar music at the moment Mm, mm. because I do think that there are a lot of bands who want to be the Arctic Monkeys Mm. even now Mm. and I wonder whether this will maybe like free some of like the 1975 for instance like Mm. will this kind of free them up to stop being such dicks all the time (laughs) I don't know but I like that this is sort of not guitar music Mm. which is really the boldest thing they could have done because over all their five albums although the styles have changed and the tones have changed, it's always been dominated by guitar riffs. Like, and this just isn't like, obviously there's plenty of guitar in there, but it's never the dominant force on a song. It's always, the melodies are really like vocals and pianos and the, you know, there's quite a lot of kind of jazzy bass in this, but Mm. not that much kind of lead guitar, you know, elaborate stuff, which yeah, is a real risk for them, but. I really like it. And it's funny because I think they, it almost sometimes for me feels like Alex Turner and the band are struggling with this, this idea that they would Mm. put down the guitars and move to piano. So there's the last track on the album is called the ultra cheese. And it really dials up the piano to this kind of like karaoke, Billy Joel, Frank Sinatra, great American songbook style love song, but it's overdoing it on purpose as if to be like, obviously we know like piano ballads are embarrassing, but Mm. we're going to like, and it's it called the ultra cheese yeah yeah exactly so we're going to make it ultra cheesy as though we're all in on the joke but it's still ultimately a cheesy but beautiful love song on the piano so it's kind of having its cake and eating it in this weird way and i I quite like there's just a level of personality there which i quite like and find quite funny so Mm. yeah yeah no i think it's great and i really really hope that it is it's already been something of a critical success i think Mm. just the first reviews have all been like wait what no i really like this apart from rolling stone who gave it two stars yeah which also i'm like it's quite brave because (laughs) i feel like a lot of reviewers probably didn't like this album but felt too afraid to say they didn't like it so they've been like it's weird but interesting maybe that's unfair but i liked that at least someone was like nah it's rubbish mate (laughs) (laughs) yeah i also even though i liked it as a side note i guess i'm way more conscious of this stuff now than when i was like when i was 17 and like scouring for reviews of their first album that almost no women get to review the arctic monkeys yeah like they've been a cut like the only one i've managed to find i'm sure maybe there are more but rasheen o'connor reviewed it for the independent but Mm. I can't find any others mm, <laughs> and even just like, like I was reading the Pitchfork review and their site is very good at helping you find other related content at the bottom it had all the reviews for all of their other albums and they were all by men as well yeah Pitchfork really struggles with the gender mm. divide I think but anyway Kate Mossman's reviewing it for the New Statesman out good. this week so <laughs> pick that up yeah really worth a listen I think definitely Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now we're going to talk about The Bridge, which is a Scandinavian noir crime series made jointly by the Danish and Swedish public broadcasters. Each series to date, this is the fourth one, focuses on a murder investigation that somehow involves the five mile bridge between Copenhagen and Malmo, thereby necessitating a joint investigation by the two cities detectives. Sophia Helen stars as the Swedish police officer Segunoren, and in the fourth series, she's joined by Danish partner Henrik Sabro, who's played by Tora Lindhardt, to investigate the killing of the Danish immigration minister. Yeah, so season four came to the BBC this week. It's already been released in Denmark and Sweden, Caroline tells me. I'm just parroting what she just told me. The cold open before the credit sequence is a quite grim mm, murder yeah. scene of this immigration minister. And, uh, you know, she's blonde pretty middle-aged woman and it's just quite grim to watch and it feels like part of a pattern in crime and there's been mm. lots of talk about this recently actually haven't there because Jermaine Greer said some things about how you know the body count on for and of violence against women on tv is just like absolutely insane which is obviously true but yeah that was an interesting opening scene for me and then you get the main episode after the credit sequence, which is, isn't so grim to watch at all, but it's just a very shocking way to introduce you to the series. Yeah, and so The Bridge is, as I'm sure people know, part of this broader trend, I feel like, from the early like 2010s onwards of Scandinavian, quite dark, thriller, detective ETV shows that have been super popular and exported all around the world i think the killing was probably the one that really set it off there were then three series of that but we've had the bridge and lots of others borgen was slightly different and then it was a kind of political drama but it was still danish and subtitled and it was just like suddenly this realization that there was this whole audience of people in english language countries who were happy to watch things mm. with subtitles in a way that broadcasters maybe hadn't appreciated before but the common thread between all of them is this quite graphic depiction of violence against mm. women. And I don't know, I really struggle with it because it is such a visual meme on television. It's everywhere. It's often really, at least in this case, it's a little bit like, you know, we actually saw her face and we're hearing about her life afterwards. Quite often it's just a kind of like 
dump the body, never mention the person again, you know, almost like a plot device for the story with no character yeah. context. There's a anything. way that it can be done well, obviously. And mm. I've been really enjoying, which I think we, we will talk about on Seriously in detail when it's available to watch in the UK. I've been really enjoying Killing Eve, in which there are some really grim scenes of murder where a woman is, you know, being killed in a really unpleasant way. But mm. because of the wider context of the show, I don't mean the media narrative around it, but when you're watching it, the wider context within the show is done handled in such a way that you don't it doesn't feel gross it doesn't feel exploitative it doesn't okay. feel it's just tonally it's kind of fine and i think sometimes in these quote grittier shows it actually feels kind of worse to me because it feels more like it's being done to try and to try and signal that this is like a serious prestige gritty show yeah. more than it is because it serves plot as you say mm. yeah definitely there is against all of this though always this little voice in my head which is like but men do murder women. Like (laughs) all day, every day. So whilst I'm not saying that, you know, it's nice to watch it or necessarily like always a good artistic decision. The reality. There is always part of me that's like, well, it's not unrealistic. (laughs) So So it's a tricky question. Yeah. And I'm, I feel like I'm constantly having a conversation with myself whenever I watch things like this Mm -hmm. about whether I should be enjoying it or or mm-hmm. not and one of know. the shows so anyway. one of the reasons why the bridge in particular has been such a successful or critically acclaimed show has a lot to do with its lead character of saga mm-hmm. who is you know a nuanced and interesting portrait of a woman that isn't one that we've seen a lot i don't think on tv like there's an argument that she could fall into this kind of stereotype of like anti-social almost masculine woman workaholic figure but I don't. I think she's actually more interesting than that, and is is more detailed than that. So, this show, if we're talking about it through a feminist lens, it has lo- it has lots to give as well. Yeah, and so I think this show's followed the pattern of lots of these things in that this is now its fourth series, and I think they've said think it's, it's going to be its last. One, although yeah. I'm not a hundred percent on that. And each series comprises like one one investigation, but the character arcs of the recurring roles do continue across multiple Mm. series so for instance in this first episode which we've just watched saga is she starts out in prison because of the events of series Mm. three and she's awaiting the result Mm -hmm. of a retrial that might mean that she's released to be honest a whole lot of it still harks back to what happened in series one which was the kind of iconic one that really went yeah i saw that where this body was found halfway across the bridge between Denmark and Sweden. And that's how Saga and her original Danish partner, Martin, ended up working together in yeah. the first place. Which was really harrowing, actually. And I think that part is what, mm. part of why I stopped watching the bridge was because there was a sort of final episode twist that was so God, horrific was horrible, that I was like, afterwards, I felt grief. I felt gutted. It was just so... What they do to characters that you know and love and like it's just so unthinkable in most shows you're like well they wouldn't do that that would just be too dark and too terrible and then they do it um so i did i felt found it too exhausting to carry on with the bridge but i was skeptical caroline sort of said before we watched this like oh you should be fine going into season four episode one you should know what's going on and i was kind of like will i i don't know if i will because i haven't seen a lot of it and actually although as you say there's kind of two plot lines and the case plot line totally perfectly 
it is quite accessible actually from if you haven't seen the other seasons obviously the backstory with saga why she's in prison is a little bit trickier to follow but they do spell it out for a new a new viewer as well it's a shame if you then want to go back because obviously it, it does spoil the events of season three but it is quite quite accessible i think it's quite clearly spelled out yeah and i'm intrigued as well by I think the bridge of all of the Scandi noir things that I've seen does the most to try and keep its like police context topical. Mm. So as we said, the murder that they start off investigating in this series of is of the Danish immigration minister. And there's already just having seen one, we're seeing the kind of context around the fact that Denmark's quite draconian immigration policy um, in the wake of the Syrian refugee mm-hmm. crisis and stuff has been really controversial with some people. Immediately, the detectives are like, well, there was this viral video of people in the Dan- Danish immigration department celebrating with champagne a successful deportation. And the minister was like really under fire for this. So you get this kind of political context that doesn't feel that far off what we're experiencing mm-hmm. in the UK at the moment with the way the Home Office has handled the Windrush and stuff and hostile environment and all of that you know and in previous series it's focused on stuff like eco-terrorism and things like that so I feel like they do try and root it in vaguely believable scenarios we're already getting all these themes of like yeah immigration Islamophobia homophobia like police Mm. kind of resistance to I don't want to say political correctness because that's not actually the right phrase just like sensitivity and ethics you know there's there's a kind of horrible character who's often using slurs at work and stuff so that's interesting but yeah I agree with you I think it's really topical and I sort of want to say like shout out to public broadcasters because all the shows that we've referenced today from this country to three girls to the bridge are like public broadcaster made shows Mm. and I feel like there's a level of authenticity to all three that's, you know, they span genres and and locations in this like extremely broad way, but they're all like rooted in something very, very real. And I think because public broadcasters have a obligation to reflect the lives of their viewers in some way, it often ends up with you just having a level of authenticity that's quite hard to put a finger on, but does make stuff really, really good. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like you can see it, or rather you can see the lack of it when these shows Mm. get remade by non-public broadcasters. Because that's also been part of this Scandi-Noir popularity trend, is that like The Killing got remade in the US. Although obviously it wasn't Scandi-Noir, I feel like it was heavily influenced by Broadchurch, Mm. got remade in the US. I think The Bridge Bridge did did, as well. I never watched it. And things like The the American Film of the Snowman, the Joe Nesbo, which was absolutely Mm. panned. Like a lot of these Americanizations just get completely, they lose something. And I'm watching Scum Austin at the moment, which is the American remake of Scum, the Norwegian show also made by a public broadcaster, NRK. And it's just lost something totally. And Mm. it's interesting. I mean, I can't quite put my finger on it and I'm, you know, I might be stretching a a little bit for me it feels like there's a there's a real connection in how authentic all these shows are yeah I'm similarly I I can tell when it's not Mm. there but I can't quite Mm. explain what it is I know maybe it's low budget (laughs) or something like that but anyway yeah so I have followed the bridge through seasons two and three partly because my parents are Mm. really into it and this is something that I wanted to mention is in Britain 
the like Scandi noir fandom is very interesting, mm-hmm. I think, because I think it is predominantly slightly older people so like 30s upwards or not to say that there aren't younger people who like it too but it's definitely like a bbc4 audience let's call it and so in about 2012 i think when the killing was like just at its peak and the bridge had just started and all of this i went to cover this like fan festival in east london for these tv shows which was one of the strangest events i've ever been to in my whole life um where they'd taken this big old derelict brewery in just off brick lane and like partitioned it all off with big black curtains and they'd flown all the stars of these shows over to the uk for the weekend and there were screenings of new episodes and in conversations with writers and directors and actors but because they'd done it all like super on the cheap Everyone had to wear silent disco headphones <laughs> and like tune into the correct channel for the event they were in because otherwise you could just hear every event all the way through this massive warehouse. That's so weird. And I found it so interesting that all of the actors who were there, particularly the actors, were just so politely baffled <laughs> at, at the way people were treating them. I'm thinking um, particularly the woman who plays the main character in Borgen, who I think is actually like a sort of major Danish thespian you know she's sort of like Judy Dench level mm, mm. in Denmark primarily known for her like amazing Shakespearean performances and stuff um, and here she is like suddenly famous in the UK for yeah. some random crime drama that she did probably like in three How months funny. for the money <laughs> so yeah it was so interesting and so many people in like jumpers jumpers being yeah. a big part of liking yeah. these shows and all of this it was it's the first time I'd ever experienced like what I would call a kind of classic fan response, mm. but from middle-aged white yeah, people. Yeah, that's so funny. I feel like it's not really showing any signs of slowing down, even if the bridge is entering no. its final season. There's just still so much of it that might, like, I agree, my mum is a big watcher of these kinds of shows. So you're right about the age group, I think. Yeah, and they are, I think, well-written, tightly plotted often with really interesting good sim- cinematography as well like the original I think it's Swedish series of Wallander mm. the one that they remade mm. with Kenneth Branagh in the English version had some incredible like nature shots in it and and all of that so I think within the genre of like dark thriller stuff they are doing interesting things they're not churning mm. it out by mm. numbers which maybe would have been the temptation when all the syndication money started rolling Actually. in so yeah, I continue to be impressed by what they're doing and I'm going to keep watching this series. It's got a, the first episode has got quite a major cliffhanger at the end of it. Although you said that the BBC trailer completely Yeah, it really undermines it. The, uh, <laughs> the cliffhanger ending of episode one. Um, but you know, whatever, you've got to, got to get your cliffhangers where you can, don't you? Yeah. So last week we decided to play Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, which is a new game from, uh, is it from Pottermore? It's like an official Harry Potter game. It's an official Harry Potter game. When you start it, like the Warner Brothers logo and loads of stuff comes up. So it's very, it's very sanctioned. It's part of the commercial universe. And Warner Brothers. So I guess Porky Games is the Harry Potter games producers. You're basically a student and you enroll in Hogwarts and the mystery element 
kind of is in the back seat when you start playing in that you're just like getting on with your Hogwarts life and then you're sort of vaguely aware underneath it all that the character that you've kind of come up with I assume this is the same in every version of the game though yeah. I don't know for 100% I think so um the brother of your character is involved in something shady and has went missing and you're kind of keen on obviously <laughs> finding the whereabouts <laughs> of your brother yeah but it starts off with kind of all the classic stuff that you want from any sort of harry potter extra material which is like you can go to diagon alley and pick up your school stuff and you can get sorted into the house you want to get sorted into and you can like design you you know what kind of haircut you have it's like almost a bit simsy at the start yeah it does let you modify your character's appearance mm -hmm. and give them a name and all of that kind of thing mm -hmm. and then you sort of play through a hogwarts year yeah essentially you go to lessons you learn spells you interact with other students mm -hmm. you like earn house points mm -hmm. you lose house points etc mm -hmm. etc et it is set i think sort of between the two wizarding wars in the sense that like harry potter doesn't exist yet but voldemort does mm -hmm. so my guess is that it's like in the period the 80s. obviously harry potter does <laughs> harry potter does exist but like it's in the period when harry is like a child still living right. at the dursleys voldemort has been quote defeated mm -hmm. and everyone thinks everything is fine again Again, it's hard to tell whether it's the same for everyone when you play it because mm -hmm. obviously the game like changes itself based on the choices you make mm -hmm. and the responses that you give to things. But I think you're kind of like an avatar for an ha a Harry-like character mm -hmm. in, say, Philosopher's Stone because you do quite a lot of, you know, going out of bounds to try and find things out about your brother. You have a, a bookish friend who's a bit yeah. like Hermione. Yeah. Who too knows everything about the wizarding world and can conveniently yeah. tell you things that you don't know. In my version as well, I seem to have got a Neville as well now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone called Ben who is scared of everything, but like secretly really good at charms. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of similarities. Although obviously you're, it's supposed to be a kind of self-insert thing. You're supposed to like think of yourself as the character that you're playing. Yeah, one thing that kind of disappointed me is that when you get some choices, it... It says like, which would you like to happen? And I thought that was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be the kind of character who would like to be in Ravenclaw, mm. but would end up being in Slytherin. No, and, and then, then it it's just, just like, you oh, okay, you're Ravenclaw because that's what you want. And you're like, oh, I know that the hat takes your choice into account, but I don't think it actually works. Like you just go up and ask for what you want and you get it. Um, and yeah, there's a few things same. like that where it's like, it asks you how you're going to answer a question and you think it's going to inform your character and instead it just decides the immediate question. But there are other situations where you say like, oh, I would prefer to be alone actually. And then it, inf it informs what kind of character mm. you are. Yeah, I do have a few criticisms of this game, mm. which is that with some exceptions, the actual gameplay is quite boring mm. because you have a certain amount of energy that regenerates every so often and when you're like say you are in a charms lesson learning a new spell you just click on stuff and use up your energy and then when you've given enough energy it's like oh now you can do the spell totally there's, and and there's, there's like, not any like i was expecting there to be like puzzle elements or something yeah to it. and like for example if you're learning a new charm they'll put a shape in the air that you have to do with your yeah. wand and i thought it would be like okay i'm going to trace over it with my finger but you can't really get it wrong <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit like exactly. what's the, there's no there's nothing at stake here because I'm just going to get it right by like tapping the screen kind of in any way and really the whole time I was playing I was comparing it with the very early Harry Potter games that I used to play on PC Same, because I love they are very similar in in a weird way um so in those early games as well you were you were playing Harry 
but you would go to school in the same way and like get your books and stuff and then you would like learn a spell and you would have to just like make the shape in the air but when I was doing that on my like old PC in 2003 I was like click click, like it was a little bit harder Mm. and there were like weird things like these horrible snails that would like kill you like there was all this stuff that was just like not Harry Potter but it was quite weirdly imaginative and even the dialogue the weird stilted dialogue was very similar and I'm kind of like hang on it's 2018 and we're still really this is still really the same game as like 2000 just a bit worse Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and because it's actually quite a lot for a mobile game uh it's it's really the kind of game you'd expect to play on a computer or a console or something mm. and because of that it needs wi-fi for you to play it so that it can download stuff because it's just too much to store on yeah. a single app and it also it's got quite long loading times so i found myself yeah. sometimes like losing wi-fi for five minutes wherever i was and having to like start again and being like this is really annoying or like yeah. if you don't have if you want to like play on the toilet in a cafe like you can't unless you've got wi-fi you can't you can do it on your 3g but it's it would cost you yeah i mean i I if you if you've got a great 3g package then you're fine but for a lot of people it won't be that simple and Mm. um yeah so i kind of felt like oh hang on i'm learning a spell with two clicks and waiting five minutes between the next scene this reminds me of something yeah (laughs) 2003 (laughs) yeah also there's just I really don't like games that are free to download, but then the yeah. their whole thing is just set up to get money from mm. you. Like it's designed for you to run out of energy just at the crucial moment so that you'll pay two ninety nine to get some more. Yeah. It's exactly it's it's like Candy Crush or something, you know, where you have to like pay to get more lives to keep going or wait an annoying amount of time. Um, yeah but unfortunately it absolutely doesn't work on me because the actual gameplay is in no way addictive mm. yeah i agree it's, it's just like high stakes poking some things for that if it was anything because i really liked the old harry potter pc mm. games when i was playing them back then and i did used to find it like kind of addictive and like want yeah. to see what happened next and all this sort of thing because there was a puzzle element mm. there was a like skill thing mm. it was it was good I just don't feel anything like that with this. Yeah, same. It doesn't come. I find it tedious to like keep clicking on blue outlined shapes. Yeah. In order to progress. Totally. For me, it doesn't compare to the Harry Potter Lego app games, which I think are Mm. really good. And they're really addictive. And, you know, you can get all the coins and stuff and like that. It's it's more simplified and yet it's somehow more more engaging. Um, So I would recommend those instead, I think, even though you have to buy them. Yes, and and to be honest, I would rather always pay up front. Yeah, pay three pounds for, a game. for the game or five pounds or, even or whatever more than for that. the game like, and then not have to think about it ever again. And then have it be designed to be a good playing mm. experience rather than a like trap to take your money. Totally. So yeah, mixed feelings about Harry Potter Hogwarts mm. Mystery, I think. Mm. But yeah, so for next week, I am going to recommend Anna something, which I actually can't believe we haven't done before because this is one of my like, go-to silly films and we've we've done like nearly 150 episodes of this podcast and I still haven't foisted it on you mm. so finally now this is the week and it is the 2001 film Kate and Leopold yeah this looks batshit <laughs> <laughs> which stars Hugh Jackman as a duke from 1876 who accidentally travels forward in time to the present day and falls in love with modern new york woman meg ryan of course he does there's 
a lot of very silly stuff in it, but I still find it quite heartwarming. Uh, there's quite a lot of it revolves around the Brooklyn Bridge. It's nice. I actually shot. can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, I so, can't believe anyway, I've never heard of this film. I'm so excited. My boyfriend's I just don't... gone on holiday as well. And like, I need a rom-com <laughs> to eat with a huge bowl of pasta on my own. And like, this is it. This is perfect. This is it. You're going to love it. Yeah. There's so many bizarre things in it that, that even, I mean, I watched it maybe six or seven years after its cinematic release because I had a friend at university who was obsessed with it even then I was like what wait why oh I'm so excited to rewatch it now with my like 2018 brain and find what everything that's wrong with it amazing but yes so anyway uh I hope listeners will join us in enjoying Kate and Leopold tune in next week to hear how Anna finds it Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you enjoyed on the show we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.